Well, welcome back to the Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgia. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with me. And for those who have subscribed, thank you. I also want to extend a special thanks to my long-term Patreon supporters, especially Jennifer Johnson Lee, Gerilyn Brousseau, Hatian Grobler, and Linda Reinschild. These delightful people who sustain generosity and patience these past several years have made my writings as well as this podcast possible. Another shout out to my new patrons. Welcome to our shared journey of the soul. And if you would like to support this podcast, there are several ways to do that. You can subscribe, share, and like the podcast, which really helps. You can also make a one-time donation through PayPal or become a patron on Patreon. Details are in the program notes. It's hard to believe we are now into our fourth month of podcasts. It is something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and thanks to the angels, both divine and on earth, I am in a position to do all the research and production work to make the Black Madonna Speaks a reality. Thanks to everyone who is supporting this vital work, and I can tell you, I find everything utterly fascinating. I keep telling everyone, the Black Madonna is like a never-ending story. There are so many threads one can weave from this subject. I, for one, will have quite a bit of discovery ahead, and I'm so glad you're part of this journey. For this episode, we will be exploring a well-known Black Madonna along the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, Our Lady of Le Puy in Valais, also called the Egyptian. This Black Madonna is at a shrine on the gateway to one of the more popular and admittedly beautiful French routes of the Camino, aptly called the Le Puy route. Le Chemin Le Dupuis, or Via Podiensis, as it is correctly called in France, please excuse my Californian accent, joins up with the Camino Francais and then connects with the northern Spanish Camino through the Pyrenees. This route, particularly in the Pyrenees region, is rich with history, folklore, fantastic local cuisine, and of course, numerous Black Madonnas. The region of Le Puy is absolutely breathtaking in its beauty. I was able to visit several years ago, and I took a regional train from Lyon. It is an area with large volcanic rock formations, two of which are now religious destinations. On the top of one of these volcanic structures, there is a magnificent statue of the Virgin Mary titled Notre-Dame de France. The image is made out of 213 Russian cannons confiscated after the siege of Sevastopol, a battle in the Crimean War which lasted from 1854 through 1855. Interesting note, This war was between the French, the British, the Ottoman Turks, and Sardinians against the Russians. Seems that part of the world is always the center of some sort of war now, doesn't it? Anyways, I simply love that this big statue of Mary, which is 132 meters tall, and for us Americans who are challenged by the metric system, 
This is 433 feet to be exact and weighs in at 110 tons. The image was created, and I don't think I can possibly pronounce this name properly, Jean Bonacieux, and dedicated to Le Puy in 1860s. Irony of ironies is that the image was donated by Napoleon III, nephew of the famous Napoleon Bonaparte, who was, whose rampaging soldiers actually burned at the stake the original Black Madonna of Le Puy in 1794. For me personally, this is an excellent example of the resiliency of the Virgin Mary as an art form. Obviously, a nearly 500-foot-tall, 110-ton iron statue is probably not going to be taken down easily by anything other than a direct hit from a nuclear bomb, which we all hope will never happen. But I digress. There are several Black Madonnas at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Le Puy, also known as the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Annunciation. Neither of these statues are the original, as I said, which was destroyed as an act of enlightenment of Napoleonic soldiers during their reign of terror, which they called a revelation and revolution of freedom. The original Black Madonna of Le Puy is similar to other Black Madonnas of Europe in that there are several origin stories associated with her. I personally find all of the legends fascinating And while I will not attest to their validity, what I think is true is the spiritual symbolism behind such legends. What is not up for dispute is the fame of this Black Madonna, particularly in the Middle Ages, at the height of the popularity for pilgrimage on the Camino. This image came to be known as the first Black Madonna of Europe. The Madonna of Le Puy is mentioned in numerous medieval travel guides, history books, and actually had a play written and performed about her by Claude Dolson in 1518. The play was called Le Mystery et Historique Miraculous de Notre Dame de Le Puy de Anis. Again, Please forgive my Californian accent in trying, that is currently trying to adapt to Bulgarian at the present. Something interesting about the Middle Ages in terms of how they related history in general is that everything was a bit fluid in terms of dates. Some historians describe this fluidity as a sense of timelessness, that the past was present and so on. This quality is certainly at play with the origins of Our Lady of Le Puy. In an effort to connect the image with several streams, legend states that Our Lady was carved by the prophet Jeremiah. This is fascinating mainly because Jeremiah lived about five centuries before the historic Mary, and why a Jewish prophet would paint a virgin and child is a a bit confusing. But upon closer examination, there are no fewer than 10 mentions of a Messiah in the book of Jeremiah. So maybe he was able to start carving statues five centuries before the Incarnation. Another phenomena present, particularly in Greece and Italy, 
is where ancient temples, ancient pagan temples, were taken over and transformed into Christian churches. And there is often a foundation stone carved with a prophecy that the original pagan priests were expecting Christ's, and they knew that this particular temple would become a church. The legend of the original statue of Lepuy states that Jeremiah fled to Egypt where he took and hid relics from the fall of the temple of Jerusalem and he put them in a cave, which honestly I think is a tough sell in terms of historical chronology since the temple of Jerusalem fell in 70 AD. But hey, there's that medieval timelessness thing. Let's get back to the legend. It was in this cave where Jeremiah carved the image. Later, the virgin and child were venerated by local Egyptians who credited the virgin with helping them survive various plagues. The statue was taken from Egypt to Babylon and given to a French king, later thought to be St. Louis or Louis IX, who lived from 1214 to 1270. This Louis was also called Louis the Pious for his crusading activities, his religious devotion, and his patronage of the arts and churches during his reign. The popular narrative told in the Dolison play was that St. Louis gave the statue to Le Puy after his campaigns in Egypt. In 1254, returning from the Seventh Crusade, St. Louis is said to have brought the statue of a virgin and child made of cedar wood. Some legends state that the statue was from the time of King Clovis in the 6th century. It is this statue that became the original beloved Black Madonna of Le Puy. I leave it up to you, my listeners, to figure out the symbolism of this origin narrative. For me personally, it points to a recognition of such that cosmic wisdom had flown from Palestine to Egypt and then to Europe, and a bit of a complex nod to the evolution of the Christ mystery. But that's my take on this fantastic tale. Egypt had a special place in medieval Christian imagination because Egypt was the land of Moses as well as the place where Mary and Joseph escaped with the infant Jesus and spent the first few years of his life. For me personally, as I have said before, it is fascinating how the medieval recognition that ancient wisdom originated from the South from Africa to be specific. This Black Madonna origin story and her association with Egypt is a bit of an unconscious nod to the evolution of the mysteries. In any case, during the Middle Ages, Black Madonnas were quite the draw in terms of pilgrims. With pilgrims came prestige and, of course, the side benefit was money for the local economy as well as the shrines. Apparently, the Catholic Church was more than willing to acquiesce to certain demands when it came to art, relics, and the adoration of pilgrims. Other things, not so much. But this, 
the clergy and even the Pope were always eager to please the populace with a black Madonna. When you visit Le Puy, as I said before, there are these large, quite dramatic volcanic structures, columns that are also called hills, several of which host a small medieval chapel and another that this large statue of Mary of France and the cathedral. The chapel is called Saint Michel de Aguilie. I can't pronounce that, sorry. But the English translation is Saint Michael of the Needle. The name, I think, comes from the shape of the column where the chapel resides. Not that there's some Saint Michael of Needles that I know of, but if anybody knows of a French Saint Michael of the Needles, please message me. This chapel is reached by climbing 268 steps carved into the rock. It was built in 969 on a volcanic plug, 85 meters or 279 feet tall. The surface on top of the plug is 57 meters or 187 feet in diameter. Bissett Godslack of Le Puy in Valais had the chapel built to celebrate his return from his own pilgrimage to St. James in 951. The chapel is dedicated to the Archangel Michael and the, pa- the patron of mountaintops and other high places, apparently also needles. It is really worth the climb to get to the chapel. The view is incredible, and the interior is like stepping back in time. The chapel gives a glimpse into what is likely how most churches looked in the 10th century, with thick windows and non-ornate walls. It is much different than the Gothic cathedrals we all know and love from the same time period. There are really interesting modern images of the Archangel Michael and a Black Madonna statue in the chapel. The legends surrounding the site of this UNESCO World Heritage Site Cathedral are wonderful. Mount Anis, the hill on which the cathedral stands, was the site of a Druidic altar called by moderns as a Neolithic dolmen. I'm not clear if there was a dark goddess associated with the Druidic practices at this site or not, but it is a good guess that there was. During the Roman occupation, the Druid site was replaced by a temple of Jupiter. Rudolf Steiner tells us that this region about the Pyrenees and northern Spanish Camino is where in very ancient times the Jupiter mysteries were celebrated. The Jupiter mysteries are those of a cooperation of divine masculine and feminine energies, as well as how to think independently. Very soon after the arrival of Christianity, it is said that a woman seeking relief from a mysterious fever went up to this ancient place of worship. Suddenly, the Blessed Virgin appeared to her and asked that a chapel be built on the site. When the bishop of the time visited the spot, sometime in midsummer, he found snow on the mountain in a shape which indicated the plan of a chapel. 
Other legends say that a stag outlined with his hoof prints the plant for the church. This one I find irresistible. The bishop somehow fenced the outline of the church with a hedge of thorns. Remember, this is early medieval times and all things are possible with those who believe. The next morning, the hedges had blossomed into flowers. The popular legend asserts that the bishop was St. George of Valais, a disciple of St. Peter, who was brought back to life by having the staff of the apostle touch him after he died. Again, I know the timeline of all this is sketchy, but the story is really good, so you can see why it has survived. What I find so interesting in many of these legends is after all the amazing signs and wonders, no one seems very much in a hurry to build the churches requested by the Virgin Mary. Maybe there was a labor or supply chain problem, but in any case, there was no church until the end of the 5th century. Another bishop of Valais, probably St. Sucretir, was faced with a similar request. Another woman was cured on the mountain by Our Lady, who subsequently appeared to her and asked again that a shrine be erected on the spot. Apparently, the second time was a charm. One of the issues that was confounding the Christian clergy of the day was the presence of that druid altar made out of a volcanic dolmen, or volcanic rock. This dolmen had been the site of pagan worship for thousands of years before the Roman occupation of Gaul. A trip to Rome for papal permission was commissioned, and the church finally completed in 430 AD. The church was built but never consecrated by the bishop because, as in the case of the Swiss sanctuary that houses the Black Madonna of Einsiedeln, we covered in a prior episode, when the prelate arrived for the service, quote, he found the chapel ablaze with lights and filled with music, and it was believed that it had already been consecrated by the angels, unquote. In the first church, the Christian altar stood right next to the dolmen, there was a statue of the Virgin Mary placed on the Christian altar. This image was to remind the congregants then pilgrims that the Virgin was responsible for the creation of the church. The image was also a reminder that it was through Mary's intercession for those touching the dolmen that healings took place. The original large dolmen was destroyed and cast out of the church during the iconoclastic period of the 7 and 800s. The top layer of this structure is now back in the church. Currently, there is a slab of well-worn volcanic rock called the Fever Stone, where people come and pray for healings, apparently unfazed by its druid past. The Madonna in the first church next to the original dolmen was called the Madonna of the Rock and has been lost in the sands of time. And the only remains of her are images found on medieval pilgrim badges that pilgrims collected from different places they visited along their journey. Starting in the 6th century, pilgrims started flocking to Le Puy, 
As stated before, Le Puy is a staging point for the Camino de Santiago de Compostela and has been a destination for famous figures for centuries. Le Puy boasts visits from many popes throughout the years, along with 18 monarchs, including Charlemagne and, of course, Louis IX. Many saints, some of which are all not that well-known, had visited Le Puy. St. Dominic, St. Anthony of Padua, St. Hugh, and St. Joseph Labreur, to name a few. The Black Madonna of Egyptian and Jeremiah origin was venerated for centuries. She was paraded throughout Le Puy for festivals and also in the case of plague. After the Reformation, the Virgin of Le Puy was quite the darling of local Jesuits who created pamphlets and books on the miraculous nature of the image. Our Lady was used as an agent of Catholic evangelization during this turbulent time, where Protestants rejected both religious art and pilgrimages as sacrilege. Numerous paintings and copies of Statues were made of this Madonna during these centuries. In 1794, the anti-clerical fever took over France. Napoleonic soldiers dragged the statue through the streets, held a mock trial, beheaded it, and burned it at the stake. Some reports state that the statue took quite a bit of prompting and firewood for it to burn. When it finally did start to succumb to the flames, a small trap door on the back of the head of the statue flew open where a tiny scroll fell out. Unfortunately, no one could retrieve the scroll in time, and it is left to the imagination of Dan Brown and other conspiracy theorists to invent what was written on that scroll. A small portion of the ashes of the first image is preserved at the shrine, in memory of that act of terror. Luckily, because so many images and copies were made, a new Black Madonna was created to replace the old one. In fact, two have replaced the original. One is an 1844 painted wooden copy of the Madonna and Child that is in the main sanctuary of the cathedral. One of the more poignant miracles associated with this Madonna was during World War II. During the Nazi occupation, a group of children from Le Puy were sent to labor camps. The mothers of these children gathered weekly to pray to the Virgin to protect their sons and daughters, placing photographs of the missing at the base of the altar. Every single one of these children returned safe and sound, well, as sound as one could be after being in a Nazi labor camp. And great thanksgiving resulted. The other official copy is a modern resin sculpture that is patterned after numerous drawings of the original. One can definitely see the Egyptian quality in this image. She is not dressed in rotating costumes as the one is in the main sanctuary. This resin Madonna adorns the altar in the chapel where pilgrims receive a special mass before embarking on their Compostela journey. To be honest with you, I prefer this image, 
While modern from the 20th century, it looks as if it could have been carved by Jeremiah in a cave and brought to France in the mid-1200s. The Egyptian connection is quite pronounced. Something to keep in mind regarding the land of Le Puy is what makes up this stunning valley with columns, hills, and breathtaking vistas. It is a volcanic area, making the soil quite black, and the stark columns of rock where the chapels are placed. Energetically, volcanic rock is, as the name suggests, made up of, well, volcanic substance, meaning lava that is cooled. Lava is composed of crystals and elements such as silicon, oxygen, aluminum, iron, and magnesium. But the largest constituent is iron. When it is liquid, volcanic rock is called magma and is hot molten rock from the mantle, which is the subterranean layer between the Earth's crust and inner core. As some of you may have heard me say in previous talks, our Earth is quite special, what I call the Goldilocks of planets, meaning we are just the right distance from the sun in order for life as we know it to exist. The natural world with all its complexities, beauties, and wonder is what happens when stars cool down. All the elements naturally on earth and in our bodies are the same ones as the stars and ultimately our sun from which our galaxy originated. Volcanic rock is a close-up experience of that original activity that birthed our planet. And while a bit terrifying, volcanoes let us see what creation was like way back in the beginning of our existence. Volcanic rock has many healing properties, which have been tapped for centuries by indigenous peoples. It is unique in that it combines both the elements of fire and earth in terms of healing, volcanic rock is grounding and strengthens one's connection to Mother Earth. Volcanic rock allows for stability during times of change. Energetically, volcanic rock is calming, it enhances fertility, and inspires strength and courage. Volcanic rock is also black when it has been solidified. Soils that are enriched from volcanic rock are very high in iron, which is necessary for the creation of chlorophyll, the substance in plant, which is the lifeblood, the carrier of oxygen in green plants. Iron binds oxygen in both the chlorophyll of plants and the hemoglobin of human blood. Metaphysically, iron helps anchor the I, or ego. I find it so interesting that the geography of Le Puy is rich in volcanic rock and that it is a gateway to the Camino and home to a much-adored Black Madonna. I invite you to draw your own conclusions, but I find all of this fascinating in terms of possible correlations. If possible, I suggest a visit to Le Puy for at least a week to really soak up the energy of this sacred site, to experience all aspects of the shrine 
and also so you can enjoy the farmer's markets. They are simply to die for, the breads and cheeses and local produce. Make sure you enjoy some of those Lepuy lentils in a stew with regional sausages. This is Stephanie Georgia thanking you for sharing your time and wishing you all many blessings on your personal journey, the journey of the soul.